Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to the Brews and Belters podcast, um, where we talk all things soccer while sipping on some of our favorite local brews. Uh, as usual, we're chatting Premier League this week with a little bit of Champions League as well, but we're really just going to focus in on uh, kind of an end-of-the-year wrap-up, or rather a starting-the-new-year um, pod here. We planned on having this last week to wrap the year up, but couldn't get around to it, so ended up just taking a little holiday sabbatical, and now we're back at it. So uh, joining me as always is Toby Hinefeld. Toby, how you doing tonight, and what are you sipping on? Biggs, I'm doing good. Uh, happy you're healthy. Um, yeah, Christmas came and went. Uh, Boxing Day. I don't know. Do you say Merry Boxing Day or Happy Boxing Day? Do you know? I think probably Happy. That's what I was thinking, too, so... Um, yeah, uh, tonight, uh, the end of my festive Christmas beer, um, someone gifted me one of those, like, mini cakes. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't even know how many pints it holds, but it's kind of a gimmick, honestly. The beer's not, it's pretty flat, it takes forever to pour, but it's a Breckenridge Christmas Ale, 7.1% alcohol winter ale. Pretty tasty, this is the end of it, so it's kind of flat. Um, but yeah, so what are you drinking? Nice. Um, I'm drinking a big time juicy IPA from Good City Brewing. Um, and this is a 6.5, pretty tasty. Uh, actually this isn't the beer that I thought that I was going to grab. There was some like penguin beer, I don't know, um, that I was going to grab, but I'm pretty happy I went with this. It's pretty good. So, um, But yeah, like I mentioned tonight, we're going to get into, uh, real quick, I guess, just go over who has kind of going into, you know, the new year here, um, who has impressed you so far in the Premier League, any teams standing out to you as far as, you know, gaining momentum um, or having momentum kind of going into the new year? Yeah, uh two teams that specifically jump out to me is, of course, going to be Manchester City. Um, healthy Kevin De Bruyne makes that team look unstoppable. And, like, he was kind of banged up at the start of the season. Lots of games played during the summer. Um, so for him to come back and be as healthy as he is at the moment, um, I mean, they're just picking up win after win, beating people, uh, you know, collecting those horcruxes and getting closer and closer <laughs> to, <laughs> to, ta- to taking on the Empire. So, so yeah, so I don't even really know much more to say about City because, I mean, they have a $100 million man that they signed, and he hasn't even really gotten going for him. And he's starting to now uh, with Jack Grealish. Uh, so I think once he finally picks up Pep's system, like, look out, that team is going to be unstoppable as long as they stay healthy. I think they're the team definitely in the fourth, or in the front running, and, uh, I mean, it's theirs to lose, and I don't think they're going to lose it to anyone this year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it's not looking like it right now. Anything can happen in the – Second half of the season, um, a team that's looked great to me over the last few weeks is a team that actually probably should have beat them uh, two days ago, Saturday on New Year's Day, and that's Arsenal, who lost 2-1 um, after a red card. But they've just been super, super impressive to me. Never over the last three or four years have I thought that I would be saying that, but Arsenal's looked phenomenal. Um, that young core has been firing on all cylinders and it's actually been really really enjoyable to watch despite um not being the biggest arsenal fan in the world um 
Gabriel Martinelli's come on and been phenomenal. I've been really excited to see him finally be healthy. And uh, he has been, and he's been playing really, really well, as well as obviously Emil Smith-Rowe. And then Bukayo Saka has just been on a tear lately. Um, really good goal for the first goal against City. Um, their only goal, but the first goal to open it up for the day. Um, really, really good goal and just a confident goal to get first touch, kind of coming around a defender's shoulder. And he seems like he's really coming into his own, and uh, I'm expecting big things out of them going into the new year here. Uh, yeah, uh, I had Arsenal as my second team as well. Um, so during their signings, uh, the last uh, open period, they put Ben White up, re-signed Martin Odegaard, got Aaron Ramsdale in goal, and then also uh, Tomiyasu uh, at wingback. Um, all four have been stellar signings for him. You know, Ben White has probably played every game, I'm assuming, in the central central back position. And then uh, Aaron Ramsdale's been lights out for them to the point where I think he is the number one goalie for England moving forward. Um, with the World Cup just around the corner. And uh, Tomiyasu, I think, is the best signing, in my opinion. He he gets that ball moving up the up the flank, and uh, he makes good decisions, and he's pretty stellar on defense, and he's a pretty solid 1v1. I was really impressed. I think he came from the Bundesliga previously. Um, and, yeah, I, I would have to say of those four, he's been the most impressive to me, uh, which I hate to see it, uh, being a you know, Tottenham supporter and hating Arsenal, but... Yeah, Arsenal's looked a lot better than we thought. And this is with them having all the drama with Aubameyang and the problems that they're having with him where he's no longer captain and he's actually not even dressing and sitting on the bench as a as a backup, which is pretty pretty crazy, honestly. Yeah, and that's another thing. Um, I hate to skip too far ahead, but you know, just going into the new year, obviously January transfer window open now. Um and Aubameyang is something that I've been really is someone that I've been really curious about because I would assume that they're gonna uh, you know offload him um, with him acting the way that he has and you know obviously if he's not if he's not dressing right now um, I expect them to get rid of him I'm not entirely sure who you know he would go to I would assume that somebody would want to sign him but he's obviously you know past his prime. Um, having been through AC Milan, Borussia Dortmund, now Arsenal. Um, so I'm kind of interested if they can get much for him and if they'll try to get rid of him jan in January or if they'll wait and try and get rid of him in the summer. But I also think that it's interesting. It seems like they've been a lot better without him. And it feels like with him kind of being on the outs, those new younger players have really been able to kind of take control of the team um, it's not so much of, there isn't so much hesitation like you know it's it's their team now uh, they can truly take ownership so it's been kind of interesting to watch but do you uh, do you have any inside information have you heard any rumors about Obama Yang or where he might be going? Nah, I hope they don't treat him like a mess at Ozil uh, where they just kind of shelf him for a year and a half. I hope yeah. they don't do that. Um, I hope they just let him go his own way because clearly he's toxic or at least toxic in that environment um, to the point where the coach does not have any support in him. So, yeah, I don't know, but I hope hopefully he goes somewhere, and I'm hoping he's outside of the Premier League. I think he would do really well in the French or even in certain uh, clubs in the Italian League as well. Yeah, I, I would love to see him in Serie A. Um, 
almost in like a like an Inter Milan type of team that plays two strikers up top, um, where he could kind of play off of another player instead of being that lone striker. I think would be a really nice fit for him actually. So we'll see what happens there. Um as a team last year, and he was one of the better goal scorers. And it was when it was him and uh, Lacassette were playing up top together. Um, not when they were interchanging one striker for the other, but when they're actually doing a two striker formation. So I think you're right when you say that he needs a he needs to play off someone. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, obviously, players don't always, or clubs don't always make moves in the January transfer window. Um, I'm kind of going out of out of our original outline here, but you know, just to stick with that, um, the January transfer window. You know, whether these guys will move during January or the summer, these are just trade rumors that are out there. Um, Antonio Rudiger, center back for Chelsea, rumored very very strongly to Real Madrid, as is Kylian Mbappe. Obviously, um, Holland had been Erling Holland had been linked there as well as City. Um, with Mbappe being linked to Real, you would assume that that Island will be probably going to City as well. Um, a couple really interesting ones to me that have gotten a lot of hype over these last five, six, maybe seven days. Um, Lorenzo Insigne to Toronto FC sounds like it's going to happen. I would assume in the summer, not January window, um, which is really, really wild. So he's... 30 years old I think just turned 30 recently and the captain of Napoli one of the most beloved Napoli players ever and just kind of suddenly is going to go to Toronto FC which I like the move I'm not sure if I love the timing because they've gotten off to a decent start in Serie A and then all of a sudden he drops his bomb and just like crushes crushes these poor Neapolitans and uh, it's it's I was gonna make a Vesuvius joke, but that's I will not do that. But it just seems like really weird timing. But I do love the move. Toronto has a huge Italian population. Sebastian Javinka went there and got like a huge, huge following. He was like a one of those cult like figures for the club. Um, and then with that, Torino's Andrea Bellotti is also rumored to be gone there, which would be really sick to see two attacking Italian players go to the Premier League while they're still, like, maybe not in their prime, but still, I mean, Bellotti's 28, Insigne's 30. They're both still playing for the international team. Like, could be a pretty big move for the MLS and a big move for Toronto FC. So kind of an interesting one there. We'll see what happens as that unfolds. Um, Tobes, do you have any comments on any of those moves or uh, any other moves that you've heard of in the in the windmill here? Really, because it's all kind of rumors at this point. There's been a few minor signings already, but uh, I mean, that's pretty big when you're talking about Real Madrid because they have Champions League against PSG. Um, so for, in essence, them to be possibly getting PSG's best player right before the tournament next next month, I want to say, uh, is pretty. that would be pretty huge. Yeah, I'm sure that'll happen in the summer, Mbappe going there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would be nuts if he went right now. That'd be outrageous. <laughs> yeah, mid-season. Um, I mean, generally, historically, January signings don't always pan out and usually pay way more money than you should for those signings. So I don't expect a ton. Um, maybe just a few small roster needs by each club as well. Um, the only big spenders I could see would be 
uh, Newcastle just because they have all that new money. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people being linked there. Um, and then I hope that Everton and Leeds, uh, two teams that are kind of in the relegation zone, like in the bottom six, uh, I would expect them and hope that they spend at least get a little bit more depth um, while they're getting their guys back from injury as well. Yeah, Newcastle's an interesting one too because they've got all this new money, in, but they're also in the relegation zone. So it's like you get all this money coming in through ownership and you're facing relegation, so you've got to spend now. I mean, you feel like their hand's kind of forced. Um, with that, some some big signings um, for for two American players, actually, in the January transfer window. Ricardo, Ricardo Pepe um, to Augsburg FC, and then um, I'm actually forgetting where DK went. Remind me, Toby, if you know. To West Brom Albion. West Brom, which, yeah. Yeah. So um, that's a good signing for him because they need some scoring up top, and he proved last year uh, with Barnsley that, that they can definitely, he could definitely uh, play in that league. Um, that's kind of that fast-paced league where they're playing two to three games a week. Mm-hmm. So uh, they need they need more than one person up top to play. And then uh, with Ricardo Pepe, he's going to literally a relegation zone team in Bundesliga, you know, the first division. So, so, and they need a goal scorer. So I think he'll instantly go in there and, and get playing time right away. So I think both are great signings, especially Ricardo Pepe. I want to say he went for 20 million, which that's like a record signing. So it's huge, you know, for that to happen. Uh, I mean, the MLS over the last year you know 18 months they've been putting out some some pretty good talent into you know the salzburg programs and then some of the other random divisions in france and mexico so or excuse me spain yeah yeah absolutely um so yeah i I kind of threw everything off by going straight into uh transfers but hey, uh, it is what it is dude. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just be relaxed today let's go moving back um I guess to the Premier League, um, you know, just halfway through the season, um, I filled out like a team of the year so far, um, you know, similar to, I think, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher and some other pundits did this. I'm not sure if on Reed did or um, there were there were a handful of others, but um, I filled out a little team of the year. I think you may have as well. Am I correct in saying that? You go first, and I will pull mine up. Okay, perfect. So, I had pretty pretty vanilla squad for the most part. Um, really, my only shocker is so so to to go into it four three three formation. Um, probably my only shocker at left wing. I've got Emmanuel Dennis um, from Watford. Nigerian attacker has played really, really well this season. Um, at the number nine, I've got Diogo Jota. Right wing, I've got Mohamed Salah. And then in the midfield, I've got Bernardo Silva, Declan Rice, and Connor Gallagher of Crystal Palace. My back line, I've got Cancelo, Rudiger, Virgil van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold. And then in goal, I've got Aaron Ramsdale. So really the only surprises I would say... What's up? You pretty much want to half Liverpool on that. I, I kind of like it. I kind of yeah. don't, I don't know right now. Kind of. Uh, I mean, Jota and Salah have been so good, and, and same with Trent. The only one, Van Dyke could have maybe been swapped out for, like, 
maybe Ruben Diaz. Um, but I don't know. I mean, there haven't been that many center backs that have really like jumped off the page or jumped off the screen to me. So Van Dyke felt like a safe, a safe move. And then um, really the only, the only dark horses were Emmanuel Dennis of Watford and uh, maybe Gallagher. So it was a pretty vanilla, pretty vanilla group. What about you? My mid-year team is kind of similar to yours, but a little bit different. I went with like a 4-4-2 setup uh, with Human Son and Mo Salah up top, uh, kind of playing the forward strikers positions. And then uh, from left to right in the midfield, I have Rafinha, and I have uh, who is from Leeds. I've he's been pretty clutch this season uh, when he's been healthy. Uh, and then from Brighton, I have uh, Basuma, and then I have uh, Lester and Didi, and then uh, Kevin De Bruyne uh, in the midfield. And then on the back line, I have Andy Robinson and his uh, illegal tackles playing on my left back position with uh, Ruben Diaz, uh, Anthony uh, Rudiger, and then uh, James, James, both from Chelsea, Reese James, and then uh, I have Mendy as well. So I kind of had three Chelsea players all defensively in the back line, which. I mean, it's kind of arguing, but I kind of feel like they've had a pretty solid defense. You know, they just haven't really produced goals recently. Um, but, yeah, it's, I was kind of split between Van Dyke. Um, you know, there was probably one or two guys from uh, Manchester United who probably deserved to be in there, especially maybe like Harry Maguire. Huh. Uh, he's been solid. Maguire, um, no, not a chance. Guy doesn't and, uh, deserve to be out Shaw, of the team of the league. They've been playing. They've been playing pretty well, Luke Shaw and those guys. So I don't know, like Juan Basaka, like they have pretty good defense. But all honorable mention, second and third teams on the Toby's mid-year best. Yep, that's all they are, second and third teams. <laughs> um, some so, other players I I, I do like the Isbisuma uh, shout and the Ndidi shout. I almost threw Ndidi in there um, in Declan Rice's place. He's been really really good. He played center back against Liverpool and looked fucking phenomenal. Um, so, I mean, just that ability to switch it up, move all over the pitch. Um, and just, I mean, it, no one's had more successful tackles since coming into the Premier League in 2017 um, than he has throughout that time. So, um, just a really, really good role player. Can stick to any. I mean, he's like Conte in that in that regard, where he can just stick on any man and, and mark him and, and shut him down. So, um, who are some other players, if there are any, that stand out to you? Um, you know, that didn't make your list. I guess you kind of went through them with Shaw, Maguire, and Bissaka. But um, any other players that that stand out to you that have just been kind of hot going into the break here or into the new year? Um, you know that that yeah, are worth I mean, mentioning. The Chelsea Loney from Crystal Palace, uh, Connor Gallagher, that kid's been a stud to the point where he's he's going to get some first-team English uh, minutes, I'm assuming, because um, he's been coming on pretty hot like, to the point where I think Chelsea, if they could, they would loan him back or cancel his uh, loan. I don't think they can because they could use a player like that right now because right, uh, it seems like they just have a hard time getting it from the middle to the wings and up top. Um especially with Jorginho not playing as much right now. Um, so I think they could Chelsea could use a player like Connor Gallagher. Uh, that would be one. Um, and then, I mean, there was a few guys from Arsenal I kind of snubbed. Uh, Smith Rowe, probably 
the hottest one right now with uh, his his goal scoring numbers, and then maybe Bakaya Saka, but I don't think that they've warranted it over, say, a Kevin De Bruyne or a Rafinha, you know, Hugh Minson or the uh, most Salahs of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, tough to choose over those guys, you know, but I've also got Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka, Martinelli, um, and then Adam Ola-Lookman, um, who wrapped up the year with a goal versus Manchester City and a goal versus Liverpool. Um, super, super talented player, and I think he'll just play a big role for Leicester City moving forward, um, especially as that midfield starts to heat up a little bit. James Madison's back and having an impact again after kind of starting the year off um, pretty slow, not really getting into the team, um, which was really weird to see. Normally he's a staple in their starting 11, but uh, kind of had to, to work his way back into the squad. So um, he's been playing a lot better. Harvey Barnes is back and, and looking like himself again after a brutal injury last year. So um, I, I look to see Lester make a little bit of a push going into this year. Um, and I think Adam Ola-Lookman will be a big part of that. Yeah, I was going to say, he has been, and um, there's a couple players from Leicester, but they just had such a slow start that I don't think you can warrant it. Some yeah. of the players that I was kind of thinking of, you know, COVID, they got COVID, or they their team is uh, back with a few games missed. Um, like, guys like guys like Antonio Rudiger, you know, who had a, I think he actually had COVID. He was out for a few weeks. Um, with West Ham, he was at the start of the season. He was the hottest player, you know, like Antonio, uh, M- Mikhail Antonio. Yeah, Mikhail Antonio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been good. Too. He's been good too. He has been good too. You just I you confused <laughs> me at first. Yeah, but yeah, so absolutely, absolutely. But uh, and then the only other one I would think of that I kind of thought of, but he just hasn't done enough is uh, James Ward Prowse. You know, he's kind of the talisman of Southampton. Yeah. Uh, Single handedly set piecing them into like victories uh and it's it's pretty impressive to see so yeah yeah he's he's one of those guys that like you love that he's stayed at his club you love that he's riding with them but you'd also love to see him in like half the midfield in half the midfields in the premier league you know you would you would really really love to see what he could do if he went elsewhere yeah, no, definitely. It sucks. Um, but props to him for staying put. So, moving forward, um, I guess really just mid-season, what, what are some belters that stand out to you? Or or even even if they're not belters, just like the best, some of the best goals or your favorite goals of the season so far. So in honor of the podcast, I only focus on belters. We Love don't that. do any world leagues or anything like Kovacic did uh, against <laughs> Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> not going to shout that one yeah, out. Yeah, don't bring it back up, man. But what I will shout out will be from uh, like last week, two weeks ago, when they had the last round of the Carabao Cup, and it was Leicester versus Liverpool. My second biggest belter of the year goes to James Madison. Um, he had a out of this world strike against Liverpool to kind of kind of set the tone early that Leicester was there and they were there the whole game up until the like ninety sixth minute. Then they weren't. So yeah, that would be my second belter, my top belter of the year for twenty twenty one. Going into twenty twenty two, need big things from them. 
uh, Serginio Dest on October 13th, his World Cup qualifying goal, when they were down 1-0 against Costa Rica. Uh, he had a right outside the box, just a beauty of a belter. Uh, pretty much put the team on his back at that point and got the got the 1-1, and then the rest was history when they ended up going up 2-1. And uh, I mean, pretty well capped off the end of the year for them um, in, in fashion. So that was my second and my first biggest belters of the year. What about you? That Dest one's a great one. Um, I remember watching that and just, I kind of forgot about that until you mentioned it, but yeah, great goal, huge goal too, just in the the grand scheme of things. So Um, for me, my belters went to the left and right backs respectively in my team of the year, um, starting with Joao Cancelo um, against Newcastle. His only goal of the year, he's got, I think, five or six assists, um, but this was his one goal of the season. Received the ball just on top of the half circle um, above the 18 and just belted one in the top left corner, a little bit of bend on it, but mostly just power. And then um, Trent Trent Alexander-Arnold, excuse me, also against Newcastle. Um, Sorry to pick on Newcastle here, but... uh, (laughs) Uh, also against Newcastle, absolute belter. Um, he's up to like 10 assists now um, with a couple of goals as well. So super, super good season so far for him. But um, just blasted one also on the, the um, just above the semicircle there on top of the 18. And just belted one into the top netting. I mean, that that strike kept rising the entire time it was going in. So um, two really good goals. Love to see uh fullback score and or assist so um always good to see them come up and strike one clean actually uh more power is always a plus when it comes oh, to yeah. those i mean i like a bending belter but i'm more into just rocket through the laces let's go top bins yeah and Cancelos was a mix of of the two a little bit of bend a little bit of power um i mean trent's was just straight power just a heat seeker to the top left so uh you love to see those ones um a couple other goals or one other goal really that that stood out to me um not a belter at all but you know i got to give mo Salah a little bit of love that goal he had against manchester city um just putting a defender on his ass and then just slotting one through at a crazy crazy tight angle Arguably goal this season. We've seen some really good ones this year, um, including goals from City. Raheem Sterling had a really nice nice goal like a week after that, I think. But uh, that's one that jumped out to me as, as a goal of the season so far. Um, other than that, I really didn't have a whole lot of notes. You know, just disappointments so far this season. Overachievers, we've talked a little bit about Arsenal. Um, obviously City is way up there right now, 10-point lead in the table. Some teams have have a few um, matches in their pocket still, but um, disappointments for me, I put Aubameyang. Um, Leicester had been a big disappointment until the last couple weeks. They've started to play a little bit better, um, and along with them, Leeds. Leeds got off to a really bad start. It felt like Rafinha was the only player that was carrying them, and he's rumored to be possibly leaving, whether that's this transfer window or in the summer. 
And so it's just like, you know, is, is Bamford going to come back and save them or what? But they have played a little bit better. Um, Bamford's been back for two or three weeks now, and, and they seem to be picking things up a bit. But those, to me, were, were kind of the disappointments so far this season. Um, overachievers, again, Arsenal, uh, Brentford, I believe, is in 12th place, and they're playing teams really, really tough. Um, and have have competed really really well so far. So I don't know if you have any disappointments or overachievers you want to throw in. Oh, that is one of them. Is Leeds. Uh, I did catch most of the game over the weekend where they actually looked good, um, but it wasn't till late, you know, playing against Villa that they actually did. Uh, I think what it's going to come down to is Jack Harrison and his fade. Like he had a nice clean, <laughs> very very That's what well it's all about. fade. And especially that left side has like a, he puts like an arch in it or something. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like a, a line. it's like detailed. Yeah. It's a better, it's not just a normal line. Though. It's like a very decaled line. Um, so I think as long as he keeps that fresh, I think Leeds will continue to keep picking up points. Um, my other biggest disappointment is definitely going to be Everton. Like I always have to shit on this team whenever I can. Because uh, Rafa Benitez is under so much pressure. He reminds me of that like, meme of the dog sitting in the break room drinking coffee while the whole break room's on fire <laughs> like like that's literally what that guy's life is right now <laughs> he's like oh we're all good as is bellowing fire all around him like so much it's nuts um they need a lot of help they need a lot of guys to come back from injury and they need to stop giving up goals like that if they could do that <laughs> you know stop goals and make goals i think they'll be fine but until that happens they're going to be floating at the bottom. Um, the only other team I'm kind of worried about, uh, I'm not trying to get too far ahead of ourselves with teams that we expect to be relegated uh, at the end of the season, but uh, Burnley, I'm, I'm nervous about them. They do not have any goal scoring. Uh, I would put most of my faith into Sean Dyke being able to keep his team up in the Premier League, but, I mean, it's not looking too hot for them right now. So um, I have them one of the first teams – to stay up with, uh, you know, teams like Watford, Norwich. And, I mean, as of right now, I think Leeds, even with the win, I expect them, especially if they get rid of Rafinha, I don't expect Leeds to stay up. Norwich can't score. They have no, they have nothing in the final third right now. Uh, Josh Sargent looks terrible yeah. for them uh, to the point where he's lost his, his spot on the roster. He's just kind of sitting on a bench right now. And Watford's kind of the same way. I don't really expect much from them, but they, they at least kind of hang tight. So I expect Sean Dyke with uh, Burnley to be able to keep them up, and then I expect Newcastle to spend some money. You know, and there's only so much, like, they do have some pretty good talent, Newcastle does. They just aren't very well coached, but I think they're starting to click under their new management. Um, and so I expect them to spend some money this month and uh, get back into the, you know, fourth or fifth spot, I think would be a victory for them, considering they're you know, they're second to the bottom right now. Yeah. And and the thing with Newcastle, they do have some talent, especially going forward. Um, they just have to stop giving up goals, and, and typically they can grab a goal later in a match or two goals, you know, a second goal. Um, so if they can sure up their defense a little bit, splash a little money around in, in January, they might be all right. But Burnley's a good point. Um so, I mean, that bottom four right now is Watford in th with 13 points, Burnley with 11, Newcastle with 11, and Norwich with 10. Um, the next closest to them is Leeds in 16th with 19 points. So, 
that's a pretty big gap, you know, nine points um, from Norwich and then eight points from Burnley and Newcastle. So obviously there's still a lot of the season left, but um, I mean, that is, that is a little bit of a gap to close. That's a three game swing for, for all three of those clubs. So um, they are definitely in that, that kind of panic zone. Newcastle definitely has the advantage with, with their financial backing to be able to splash some cash around. But, uh, Burnley and Norwich should definitely be worried as should Watford. And, and like yeah, the said, only thing I the only sorry, Keeks cut you off. The no, only thing I would say about Burnley is I mean they they had a weather cancelled game because of weather with Tottenham and then they got hit with COVID. So I wanna say they have the least amount of games played with like seventeen only. Um so I mean they have compared to the other teams that we're comparing them to, they have two to three more games to play. So if they can just pick up one to two points or one to three points in one or two of those, then I think they'd be fine moving forward. Yeah, that um, is a good point. They're at 17. Um, and I'm not sure who those matches are against, but uh, that, that is a, a very, very good point as well. So, um, yeah. So overachievers, you know, Arsenal, Brentford, um, ran through some underachievers as far as predictions just if i had to choose right now we kind of ran through relegation norwich burnley newcastle right now are are kind of those three as well as watford um but predictions for for a top four um or actually i i went with the top six here because i couldn't really decide uh but city are looking like champions right now and then chelsea liverpool west ham arsenal and united in that order to run up the top six. Wait, one more time. One more time for the for the people out, out there listening. City, Chelsea, Liverpool, West Ham, top four. Arsenal and United. And actually, I kind of want to change that sixth from United to Tottenham after United lost to Wolves today and looked completely lacking of an identity. Uh, they switched up the formation and the scheme. In the second half, and it was it was like just brutal to watch. They got picked apart by Bruno Bruno Lage or, or Lage. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but Wolverhampton's manager completely picked them apart. Um, and yeah, it's just not looking good. It's not looking well, good there. Really quickly for Wolves, uh, honestly, I think that's a glow up with them getting that guy. You know, after yeah. Nuno left, I think that's a great hire. Um, to the point where I was even like, that might have been a good hire for Tottenham. I mean, Grant Tottenham's walking with a class, a class manager and uh, Conte. Yeah, but sure. and that's why I expect Tottenham. I'm going to drink some Kool Aid. I'm going to put them at number four okay. uh, with City at one. I think Liverpool's going to overtake Chelsea for number two, and I think Chelsea's going to start skidding. But I don't think they'll skid down to fourth. I think they'll just stay at third, you know. Mm-hmm. And I expect Tottenham at fourth. And then I expect, you know, West Ham and Arsenal to kind of split a point here or there. And whichever one, you know, will be sixth and or fifth and sixth. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't trust United at all. You know, I, I just think they need a full year. And what scares me about United, if I was a fan of theirs, they have Ragnick or whatever his name is. They had him coming in to, pretty much start a whole new system and he's pretty much forcing the players to play his system whereas adapting a system that fits his players and that's always scary to have someone do that because they're not fitting in this system right now 
and then they're talking about this guy going to like kind of be a GM of the team, and then he mm-hmm. will look and he will look to hire a, a manager that's kind of in the same formation and system that he wants to be a part of. But they're kind of proving that they don't really have the players uh, right now that are capable of doing that. Um, so I'd be pretty nervous if I was a Manchester United fan. Um, but that kind of rounds out my top six to top seven. Uh, with I, I think the you know the three spot is going to be up for grabs. But I think it's the fourth, fifth, and sixth positions that are going to be the most exciting uh, moving forward for what. I mean, because there's a couple of those teams that aren't used to playing European. You know, Arsenal and West Ham and Tottenham haven't really been haven't really been doing too much. You know, they haven't been in the Champions League in a few years, and some of them been in the Europa League, but not much. So, um, I think moving forward, it'll be a nice tight race, and it's just kind of weird right now. If, uh, who are the top six teams having coaching changes? Um, there's been a ton of games played uh, with EFL this week uh, and next week, and then also with just COVID having a total effect on these teams where, you know, they're throwing out guys that are, you know, second, third, not, not even on the actual roster, but are on like the developmental program teams. Um, so it's been kind of a crazy, crazy start to the season. I expect it to be the exact same on the second with COVID. I think going to be running rampant for the next probably two months, you know, as the, as winter keeps going through England. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think those are all really good points. I mean, I think it's going to be a dogfight for that top six, and obviously all those teams want to be in the Champions League spot, so I think that's going to be a really tense um, end to the season here, and, and obviously as COVID plays into that and everything as well. So um, other than that, Tobes, I really don't have much. We got Carabao Cup uh, this week, semifinals. That is a two-leg final. Um, so we've got Tottenham versus Chelsea and then Liverpool versus Arsenal. So should be pretty good matches. I mean, we'll see, obviously, as far as competitions go, Carabao Cup hasn't really been the most prestigious in the world. Um, but silverware is silverware. And, and when you get four big clubs like that involved in the semifinals, obviously they're all going to be going for it. So, um, should be pretty fun to watch this week. In addition to the Premier League matches, Champions League is back in just over a month. February 12th, I believe, is the date. So other than that, I really don't have much else. Tobes, what about you? Yeah, there's... It's like all FA Cup this weekend and the EFL throughout the beginning of the week. So yeah, a bunch of uh, interleague games, uh, which will be fun. You know, good good program. Uh yeah, nothing really Premier League-wise moving forward for next week's episode. We'll just kind of have to talk about all the other stuff that goes into being a English Premier League team, playing playing the FA, the EFL, and everything else. Yeah, playing you know, five games Kate a week. I love the FA. We do love our FA Cup, true. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? It's a magical cup. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got for today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for uh, for tuning in to this, this quick kind of thrown together episode as we go into the year like I said uh we were going to do one last week but um things just kind of popped up I actually got the uh got the COVID the Eric Coco COVID lamella uh virus so I know Tobes loves that so um things were just kind of crazy the last couple weeks for us but um we're back now and and looking forward to 2022 and and the rest of the season here so thank you for everybody uh Tune in and cheers. We'll see you next week.